Everyone, welcome to another awesome day with a struggle. I'm Sean Lee. And I'm James Park. We're here to discuss the reality of daily struggles and how it's a constant no matter where we are on our journey. Join us for honest conversations as we navigate life, business, and career challenges. Learn how to accept the struggles and how it's all about the mindset. So this week, we talk a lot about routines and how routines may seem mundane, but they are also very much useful and needed in our daily lives. Enjoy the episode. Ladies and germs, welcome to... Oh, I just stole that from... Tim Ferriss. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Ladies and germs, welcome to another week with struggles. My name is James. Across from me is Sean. And we're here to talk about weekly struggles that we run into. And this is just a time that we kind of debrief on the week and really talk through how we're overcoming each of these days. Yeah, I like that. We're reflecting, we're debriefing. So yeah, let's start with that. How's your week, James? Any big milestones? Yeah, so (laughs) (laughs) I told Sean right before that I, I hit a pretty big milestone for work. So very early on, for those of you who don't know, I I started a new company doing sales energy, selling programs to large companies. And our goal is to try to set meetings each week for our directors. The weekly goal is to set nine meetings a week, which actually doesn't sound hard when I first heard it. Since I started in July, I've never hit nine meetings ever. I've been close. I think I got close once maybe had six or seven, but it's tough. And this week was the first week I did it. Wow. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. And what's funny is a lot of my colleagues all have done it so far. Actually, one of my colleagues, she just started a month ago. She hit it this week too. So her and I hit it together. She's on on the same team. But everyone's in kind of a different stage in their lives or even in their career in this role because three of us, actually hit nine meetings for the first time this week. And there were three other people who have now hit it two or three times. So the six of us total hit it this week. Wow. It was insane. This week was really, we had a big week for our team overall. Gangbusters. Yeah. But everyone is in a different place. You know, the three of us new to hitting this weekly goal and the other three people hitting it for the second or third time. One of my coworkers She's done this three or four weeks in a row now. It's insane. So there's something that she's just kind of figured out and she's just crushing it. And so it's funny because, you know, for those of us who've gotten to this goal for the first time, we're super excited. I'm sorry, there's four of us that hit it for the first time this week and everyone's in a different place. One person's been here for a year and this is her first time hitting it. And then another guy, six months. I've been here for about four or five months. And then, my other teammate, she's been here for one month. But we all get to this goal and we're all super excited. And it just made me think though, what happens next? You know, and I think that's the really hard part about sales is the difference between sales and a lot of other teams within an organization. With sales, it feels that every day is a is a new day. Your tasks kind of restart. You know, it's very simple. You're just making phone calls, setting meetings, and trying to close things, especially for those on the inside sales teams. The role is very simple. But for me, 
in the previous roles, being in a lot of operations or like product focus, working with engineers and product managers, the tasks aren't as repetitive. There was a time where operations can feel repetitive and it is kind of a new thing and it is kind of a repeat over and over again when you're tied very closely with selling a product. But in other types of operations roles, the tasks all lead up to kind of like a project. You're doing some kind of project that lasts months or that that lasts a week. And so I was just kind of noticing how in sales, yeah, I hit this goal. I was super excited. I hit it on Friday. But now on Monday, I'm starting all over again. And it just feels like you either have to accept or just kind of get used to this idea of every day is a new day. It can either cause you anxiety where you're stressed out that you have to do this all over again, or you can almost see it as it's a new day. Anything that happened yesterday, I can just redo today. And so those are kind of two different ways that I've been looking at this new role, especially as a, as a sales associate, trying to understand that every day is a new day. Every week is a new week. And being able to either use that to my advantage or get over this kind of anxiety that I feel that it just feels repetitive. And routine. Yeah. 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 And, and earlier you mentioned about this, like everything being a double-edged sword. And that's why I kind of jumped at that. I was like, oh, I like that approach about life being a double-edged sword. Everything can have two different views. At least. Yeah, at least. We were talking about sports right before we started. And, and you know, you can say the same about a football game, right? It's the same shit every time. <laughs> yeah. And every week's a new week. But at the same time, you know, you're building up to something like the, I don't know, annual championship. But then it starts all over again the next year. And then it's the same thing over and over again, year after year. But you're reminding me of something that I've been thinking about, which is routine. Routines are good. It's a double-edged sword, right? And I think you were talking about before this conversation about potentially looking to get into like a physical routine or building some kind of habits around that. But at the same time, routine can be boring and repetitive and just mind-numbing. And so I've been thinking about that because this past week, my wife went back to work after maternity leave and her shifts just so happened structured this way. It's like seven days in a row at the hospital. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just even her being off or her going back to work, it's a double-edged sword because it's great that she is not here. And I was telling this actually over text over the week was that it's nice to have her out of the house for multiple reasons. One, just, you know, for her own well-being and sanity, like she gets to go back to work, do stuff that she really enjoys doing and finds purpose in, you know, healing children. And then she also has really fun coworkers. She loves her work environment and the people that she works with, which is a big reason why we decided to stay down here in Orange County. But at the same time, she obviously misses being home and, and with the kids and whatnot. And then conversely for me, it's nice having her out of the house so that there's like time for me to do work, <laughs> you know, because when she's around, aside from just being around, it's, it's I want to hang out with her. Like we want to do stuff together or she'll have like a million errands for me to run, <laughs> which is again, totally fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but we only get 24 hours a day. So it does take some time away, not just physical time, but mental time as well. So it, it was interesting adjusting this week to a new routine of sorts where, you know, I take Miles to school in the morning because Mink leaves at like 7 a.m. So uh, I, I got to get Miles ready. I got two kids in my hands. <laughs> I got to like clean up Mila and then 
take her down and then get Miles ready, you know, brush his teeth and stuff and get him dressed, take him down and then and then make breakfast for him and feed him and then take him to school. That's great. What I can complain about is like a great experience. I actually really enjoy it, but it's, it's different. Hmm. It's totally new versus before when Mink was, was home all the time. It was like in the past four months, you know, it was like, I didn't do shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> wake up at six. I'd be like, oh, maybe I should go play golf. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and what was interesting was I think because I hadn't done that. I remember her like worrying a lot before going back to where she's like, you know, are you guys are you going to be able to handle? I'm like, you know, people rise to the occasion, especially if they're your own kids, right? Even if they're not, I think I would still rise to the occasion. You would figure it out, right? Sooner or later. Hey, can I ask you real quick? How come you didn't help with the routine in the morning? Was it just because there were too many hands or you just didn't? I know you didn't have to, but maybe you tried at some point and is it too many adults? I mean, I, I did. It's not like I didn't do anything, but it's more so that sometimes there's just like too many cooks in the kitchen. If she's like worrying about how to feed him or if he's eating or this and that and you know what's for breakfast, it's like, I'm not going to worry about that. Or she's like preparing him to get to school like then I'll just like figure out the food and what to cook for breakfast. Okay. So the routine was split between you two. Yeah, it was split. All right. Except for the one day a week where I was just gone for golf at 6 a.m. <laughs> Man, always trying to fit in golf, even in, in our episodes. <laughs> yep. Always, always. But you know, I was telling you that when I actually was evaluating my week and looking at, all right, well, how much time, like where, where do I have time to work? there wasn't that much time, <laughs> like even sans golf, like without golf, like there wasn't much time because basically from six to nine, I'm with the kids and taking care of miles and taking them to school. Then nine to 10, I have about an hour where I could slot in something. And then 10 to 11, Ning's parents like to eat. And so this time around with our second kid, they're, they're getting a little bit older. And I think like they need more breaks. They can't just watch the kid all day. And so from 10, 11, I want to take over and, and help out a little bit so they get a little break because they've been with Mila since, you know, 7, 7.30, whenever I bring her down. So I have 10, 11 blocked off. I'll like listen to, to an audiobook or something during that time if she's sleeping. And then, okay, I get 11 to 12, right? And then like, I got to eat lunch. That's the one thing I used to be terrible about was not eating lunch and just like skipping out lunch if I get busy. So I like, it's a very intentional thing, like time block now, 12 to one. Then I get one to about three o'clock for some more work. And then they have to eat and they eat twice a day. They'll eat again at three o'clock, three to four. And so I'll take over again there. And then right after four, I have to go pick up Miles and then he's home. And then, you know, I got to, you know, take him out for a little bit, give him a bath, give her a bath. And then, you know, get them ready for dinner and, and, and whatnots. And then, you know, off to bedtime. So literally, I was like looking at my day. I was like, I have 9 to 10, 11 to 12, and then 1 to 3. <laughs> I have four hours. And I can squeeze in after Miles falls asleep, like 9 to 11. But these days, I think because of Mila, you know, waking up in the middle of the night, being up at like 5.30 to take over. So Mink has some time to get ready for work and whatnots. It's tough. And so I've, I've really just accepted that at least for the next six to nine months, I'm just going to have four hours a day. You're pretty much a full-time parent. Yeah. Yeah. It was a struggle at first to accept that because even sharing it with Mink, I felt some, not resentment, but I felt some loss. And I was like, oh my gosh, how do we get here? <laughs> like, 
I went from like working eight, 10, 12 hour days to like only having four hours. Yeah. Who was taking care of Miles before that? Was it just your, your in-laws full time? No, Miles was in school. Ever since he was 18 month old, this was last October. Well, before that, it was just her parents, right? Her parents were watching Miles all day if he was out in school. And then once he started school, then I was just like, wouldn't have any other kids to watch. <laughs> it was just, right? Miles in school from like 8.30 to 4.30. And then basically I had all day to myself. And so did her parents. Having a second kid really just... Yeah. Which is, again, it's going to be fine. It's going to be like this for a bit until, you know, she gets to be over a year, 18 months, maybe where we can, you know, she can start school, toddler school. But that's, you know, that's another 14 months away, <laughs> you know? In 14 months, you have four hours a day. So... About 20 hours a week. Is that just the weekdays? Well, let's just assume weekdays only. I block off one of the days for golf. So, <laughs> so I get about 15 hours a week. It's 15 hours a week. So that's like 800 hours, pretty much. I'm glad you did that math because that's, that's a lot. That's a lot of hours, actually. That's a lot of time. What can you do in 800 hours? Yeah. Doesn't matter that it's going to be 14 months. I think it's actually very cool that you have exactly that amount of time. So maybe it's about whichever project you're going to step into, whether it's clever ventures or there's other kind of golf ideas that you have. I know you got a bunch of ideas just juggling around in your head. Maybe it's about picking two or even just one. If you pick two, you have 400 hours for both. If you pick one, you have 800 hours. What can you do for that? Well, something I was thinking about was just actually taking some time to read more. I have a pretty long reading list. Dude, that would be awesome. Not around like the stuff that we've been talking about, but more actually back towards business-related reading and the future of work, a bunch of things that I'm interested in. How long does it take you to read a book? I would say five hours a book. No. More? Way more than that. 10 hours a book? Even listening to an audiobook that's short, that's about six hours. But the, the average book, I would say it's about, if you were to listen to it, that's about 10 to 12 hours at least. If I were to read it, maybe 15 to 20. I read a lot slower than I listen. Okay. So that's one book a week. Mm -hmm. Dude, you can go through 52 books in a year. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, I only have like 12 or so. <laughs> want to read right now and, and do some thinking around. But aside from that, the bigger picture of my acceptance through the struggle is that, you know, I've actually accepted that like, it's okay from an ego standpoint to be a parent. Yeah. <laughs> like That's probably the hardest thing. You're, you're a stay-at-home dad. Yeah. Because my ego was just kind of fighting it initially. And I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's not like we have to have this arrangement. Like Mink could find another job and just work less. She does want to work. She finds enjoyment in work. It's not like she doesn't want to work at all. And we still have Ventures Alumni FM running, you know, to support me if, if needed. Because right now we're just kind of reinvesting back into the business, a lot of things. You could also hire a, a nanny, a part-time nanny. So that's one of the double-edged sword things about having in-laws live with you is that it's great that they're here, but then it makes it hard to bring in help, additional help, because it's just too many cooks in the kitchen. They wouldn't want it. You know, one of the double-edged swords of having her mom like cook for Miles before was that she had a strong sense of purpose and connection with Miles. And then the moment was just like, all right, like I'm going to figure out because we need him to learn to eat right by himself. So stop cooking for him because he's not going to eat anything that you're cooking. Like he has a very 
picky diet now. And I think she felt a great sense of loss in her role in the house. Why can't she just cook what he wants to eat? Because nobody knows what he wants to eat <laughs> for that period of time. I mean, now we do. Now we figure it out after about a month and a half, you know. Oh, what does he like to eat? Pizza and chicken nuggets? Jam. You like pizza for like a week. Then now he likes anything fried. Like anything that's fried and crispy. He loves fries, like French fries. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Who doesn't love French fries? Anything potato-based, he loves potatoes. Dude, if I ever meet someone who doesn't like French fries, I'm going <laughs> to really question. That's messed up. I'm not going to judge this person, but I, I would really <laughs> seriously question. you like, oh, that's, that's weird. But good for you. <laughs> You're probably in the 0.1%. <laughs> yeah. He likes white rice. We learned he likes sticky rice. We're going on a tangent here, but the point is that like, I didn't realize this, but you know, she found a great, I think, again, this is speculation. I think she found a great sense of purpose. And in the house, in this family, that was her role, right? Like cooking for her grandson. And when that role got stripped away, it's like, it's weird. You can lose a sense of purpose. Does she still cook? Yeah, she still does. And her dad was like, you know, helping feed. So there was like the, the tandem, like the two of them, like feeding miles, right? One was playing with them, reading to him. The other one was spoon feeding. And that was a totally a double-edged sword because ultimately you never learn how to eat by himself, right? It was fine when you do that, when you start that like at six months old. But if you do that forever, like, you know, like a prince, the kid's never going to learn to eat because A, he's constantly distracted. So he's not learning about the textures, about the smells, the look of food, right? And then like, he expects to be spoon-fed. He's not learning dexterity, like hand-eye coordination, all those things. Oh. I think ultimately you'll be fine. Like kids all turn out fine. Even if you end up doing that for like three, four years, like they got to learn to eat someday by themselves and they'll learn, right? But it's just, like I said last week, it's just this combination of like us wanting him to be in school and being more independent. That was conflicting with our setup at home. So that's kind of what I realized too about routine was I literally thought about this last night when I was taking out the, the recycling bin. I was like, oh my God, I do this every fucking week. Same fucking thing, the same motions. <laughs> like emptying the recycling bin into the other recycling bin. And, you know, like, yeah. And I was like, wow. I said this for a moment in my, in my head. I was like, is this what my life has come down to? Just a bunch of housework every day, day in, day out. <laughs> like, yeah. And then I was like, wait, what's wrong with that? Yeah. What's wrong with that? I was like, anything becomes routine. Anything can become mundane. Yeah. And I think we were talking about this last week. So I was definitely having this conversation with Pierre about this. He, you know, friends, especially, let's say just not even your friends, Instagram, right? Spouses all these ideals of like, you know, traveling new places, like everybody's fucking traveling somewhere every fucking day on Instagram, right? And it makes you wonder, it's like, oh my God, I want to go somewhere. Like, I want to go somewhere new. And what's the purpose of doing that? The purpose of doing that is to discover something new and change the routine, break the monotony. Yeah. Novelty. Novelty, right? My buddy Pierre, like going to um, Morea and Tahiti and looking at land, he was joking with me. He's like, hey, we should buy land here and live here, move here. Or my buddy in like Colorado was like, hey, we should buy land there and like build a house and move there. And I thought about it. I was like, wait, well, why do we want to do all this stuff? Oh, he says, well, it's, it's nice there. It's convenient. You know, it's, you know, life is simpler and this and that. And there's novelty to it. But I was like, yeah, but novelty always wears off. We know that. That's why it's like for nomadic people, like they keep moving. They keep having to move to a new place. 
wherever they were before becomes routine, becomes mundane. And so it, it made me have to think really hard about my own life and any discontent in my life about the mundane, about the routine and saying like, all right, well, if I can't be happy here, I can't be happy anywhere. And how do I discover new things or do new things where I am right now and find joy in where I am, regardless of where I am? How do I find simplicity? I don't have to move to Colorado to disconnect. He was talking about like how it's great to fly on a plane before pre-internet on planes because then like you were disconnected on a 12-hour flight to Asia. I don't have to wait until that. I can just fucking disconnect right now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's just hard to do that. It is hard. It is hard. And, and, and traveling does make it easier because it removes you from your routine. So you're kind of forced to change. But I've been really trying to challenge myself this week and say like, all right, how do I make the mundane fun? How do I make the ordinary? I hate to say this, extraordinary. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a Tony Robbins talk right now. <laughs> yeah, I will actually challenge that. I don't think it's about making your ordinary extraordinary or making it making mundane fun. I actually think it's a matter of being somewhat okay with the mundane. Like everyone thinks that you have to make something exciting to do something, right? It's like uh, we need that serotonin hit to get excited, get motivated to do something. But if you're always searching for that feeling of it being exciting, I feel like that's why we always fight our routines. We always want something new. But if that's what we're searching for, we're never going to be okay with routine. We're never going to be okay with the day-to-day taking out the garbage once a week, recycling once a week, waking up every single day at 6 a.m. to do whatever it is that you're going to do. That's been my biggest challenge with routine was this idea, you know, when we set a new routine and because we're coming around to the New Year's and everyone has these like New Year resolutions, the reason why we get so excited about these new goals is because it's the excitement of starting something new, the excitement of building a new routine to become a person that you want to become. But the disconnect is where we are today and where we want to be in the future. And so, and we we require something exciting and motivating to keep up with the same ordinary thing every single day. You know, a lot of people listen to pump up music, to lift, to exercise. And I forget who it was that told me, he read about how If you always need music, if you always need something to excite you to start exercising, then at one point, you're not going to be able to do it anymore. You have to be okay with this ordinary routine and you have to be able to develop that hit of joy or that hit of serotonin. You have to be able to build that and get that hit yourself without having... Something external. Yeah. I'm beginning to feel like that's why my routines all have gone to shit lately. It's because I always am hoping that one day I'm going to be excited to get up at 5 a.m. and go for a run. That one day I'm going to be able to be excited to wake up, go eat, go exercise, and then write and blah, blah, blah. But dude, even like a lot of the authors, they talk about these quotes of, oh, I always write between 9 and 12 p.m. I always write during these certain times doesn't matter if I'm excited to do it or not. It's just a routine thing. And some of them fucking hate it. Some people just, I don't know, maybe you fucking hate exercising, but you know that it's the right thing for you to do. And so you 
shift your style of exercise so eventually you find something that that it's it's enjoyable like for you you've shifted your exercise to golf but are there days where you go and hit golf balls where you're like i don't know i guarantee you at some point you're not going to be excited to go to the range one day you're going to hit a day where you're just like god i'm going to the range again but by that point it's just a routine and you're just going to be kind of okay with it you're not letting you don't need the excitement to get you there Right? So I think excitement only takes you so far. I've already reached that point. It's not, I'm excited to go to the range, but then once I start hitting balls, I'm like, God, still fucking suck. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh my God, I'm doing this all over again. And so I think routine is not meant, it can't be developed around excitement. I think at first it is, it's kind of there, but if that's what we rely on, we're going to fail. And I really am starting to believe that routine is about resilience. It's grit. Yeah. And think about the athletes, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, these guys who shoot a thousand free throws. They do the same type of basic exercises over and over again. And it's been thousands and thousands of hours, you know, but they do it. Are they excited to do a basic dribbling like pass drill? I don't know. I highly doubt it. I just think that there is something about the basics that we have to just become okay with. Something like what you just said, you're accepting, you're being okay about right now, you are a stay-at-home father. And that doesn't sound exciting to you, but you're still doing it and you're building a routine around it. And it's not based on motivation of excitement. It's based more on a future thing of spending more time with Miles to watch him grow, spending time with Mila, watching her grow. Yeah. And that's a very different type of just a mental exercise that you're going to have to overcome. And, and I'm, I'm saying this to you as much as I'm talking to myself about this, because my routine has gone to absolute shit. My body is just, it's complete shit right now. My exercise routine is, is gone out the window. And I'm waiting for some kind of motivation to get me out of bed to go for a run. But that's not going to come unless... I physically act that out myself. And so such a long-winded answer to why I, I really am rethinking this idea of novelty. I used to love to travel all the time too. And I've moved almost every single year since college. Every year, new apartment. It's just the feeling of getting something new, right? And that's why we're also like consumers. We just love buying new shit because we want that feeling of something new, something that kind of changed. And I was just telling you this past week, I got that standing desk. I'm super excited about it. I use it two days now. And then the last, this weekend, I haven't used it yet. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Are you set up on it right now? Yeah. So I'm not standing up, but. Yo, let's stand up right now. I, you know what? I've had the standing desk for. Um... I've actually never seen you stand up on that desk. I haven't stood up on this desk in um, two years. <laughs> Damn. Wow, this feels different. I even have a standing mat that I bought that I haven't stood on in two years. Wow. Oh, this is nice. For any listeners who've listened to my rant so far, if you're trying to start a new routine, yes, let excitement drive you to plan or, or whatever. But I don't even think it's about planning out all five of the steps or 10 steps or whatever. I think it's more do what you can right now for five minutes for whatever it is that you're trying to do. Set a time, set a location, and set a, a window, a length. Five minutes at 2 p.m. 
to do X and do that three days a week and then just grow from there. Yeah, I like to pick at that thought a little bit because, I mean, that idea of routine, as we say, there, there's a couple of things there. There's, there's routine that like you just have to do it, like brush your teeth, like take out the trash. It's just like stuff you got to do, take a shower, <laughs> you know? And then there's stuff as kind of what you're talking about, which is routines or habits that are potentially new, but more so focus oriented around growth, personal growth. Because brush my teeth has, has nothing to do with personal growth. That's just maintenance, <laughs> you know? But even, even brushing your teeth was a routine that was started by somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's important to differentiate between maintenance and growth. Ooh, I like that. Like taking out the trash is just maintenance. I mean, sure, I could find some novelty and grow it, but it's, it's <laughs> you know, which I do actually. Like I realize that recycling bins, at least in California, they don't take plastic. And so I literally have to take the plastic. Well, what I'm talking about by plastic is like plastic bags, anything that's like flimsy plastic, like they take bottles and stuff. But like you're supposed to actually like tear off the plastic around the bottle and recycle that separately. And they don't take that. So any kind of packaging, bubble wrap, all the airbags from Amazon boxes, they don't take those things, those bags. Oh, then what happens to it when it goes to the recycle center? It fucks with the recycling and then like they got to take it apart separately and burn it or some shit. What I learned to do was I was like, oh, I have like a bag, paper bag where I just put any kind of like loose plastic, like soft plastic, plastic bags, anything like that. And then I take it to Target or Home Depot and they actually have plastic bag or packaging recycling bins and you go drop it off there. Oh, What they do with it, I don't fucking know, but I learned something new. What about like bags of chips and stuff? Is that recyclable? Same. Oh. It depends on if it's like aluminum. That I actually don't know. But I'm just talking about the, like, again, all those like Amazon box. It comes with those like plastic bubbles. I just pop them all. And then I like, I used to just recycle them in. Because I actually learned from uh, Mink. She was like, oh, you're not supposed to put anything recycling into a garbage bag, which what it w- was what I used to do. You're supposed to just empty it into the bin. Like, it's not supposed to be in a bag. Man. Anyway, besides the point, routine that is maintenance versus routine that is growth-oriented. And I think what you've been talking about is definitely focus on growth-oriented routines or habits, as some people call it. And you're absolutely right about, I think the key point there is like, if you heavily rely on external things to incentivize you or push you to, to do that routine or habit, it will work, but not for long. It has to be internally driven, has to be internally motivated, which is kind of my thing with golf. Because yeah, you know, buying a million clubs made me realize like that drove me in the beginning, but it doesn't last long. It's like now it's like it's all internal in terms of, you know, what I want to achieve over the year, over like the next couple of years with that sport. But something that I realized when I was kind of sharing about the novelty thing too was especially with maintenance, routine. I guess with both types of routines, finding the simple joy and just doing that. Just the fact that like, I have the time to do this. I'm not like frustrated or pissed off. That's like, oh my God, I have to do this, you know? And that I have a role, I have a purpose in this family. Like I'm doing something that like nobody else does. And you get to be a stay-at-home father. I think a lot of fathers would love to do that, but they're not in a position to do it. Yeah, I thought about that too. I mean, again, ego always jumps in. It's like, oh, you should be like doing something else with your life or your time. I think about this all the time, which is really fucked up to say and very sexist. But 
you know, it does creep up in my head. Like, oh my God, like you're not cut out to do this. You're a guy, you're a hunter. <laughs> you know, like, you're supposed to go out and hunt and bring home the bacon. Like, what, are, what are you doing? I wonder if that's a cultural thing. I heard there is a culture where it's actually the women who are more the hunters and the fathers are the caretakers. Yeah, are the caretakers. So maybe it's also just a cultural thing that's driven this more than anything else. Oh, I believe that 100%. I mean, it, it is a social construct. It is something that is taught. I think it goes back to the Industrial Revolution. We might have mentioned this a couple weeks ago. And because most factory workers were men. Yeah. And so who took care of the kids? Maybe even it's about women not being able to work for a long time. Well, women's rights. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably what we're seeing now is a shift in women stepping up and being allowed to take on more roles. And we're just going through a huge social shift. And at an individual level, it's just ground shaking, very different. Yeah. But even even this like whole double-edged sword thing about routine, that's there too. Because as important as routines are, whether for maintenance or for growth, it can become routine and routine is very boring. And we as humans, a lot of us want the excitement. So it's in one place to have a solid routine in place, but at some point it does get kind of boring. And maybe the trick around that is actually to schedule time for novelty, schedule time for something new, making new experiences. And maybe that's why travel is so exciting and why Instagram or TikTok or whatever is so addicting is because it actually allows us to find novelty or feel excitement without us actually being there. Maybe that's what's addicting to a lot of people. Yeah. Also depressing. Yeah. <laughs> to see somebody else do it, but you can't do it, you know? Right. That's why I actually have stayed away from Instagram for so long. You know, that's so funny. Like... I've been thinking about that lately. I, I, like, I stayed away from Instagram for like two or three years. Yeah, I noticed you started sending me stuff. I was like, what the hell? Like, what, what's Sean doing? Yep. Ever since I started golfing, I like more on Instagram. Granted, like I still, I, I was very careful. I'm so glad I did this before where like I pruned a lot of the accounts that I follow. And then I mute a lot of channels that I just like, I don't need to see this. That's a great feature, by the way muting stories and muting posts because then my feed is like five posts long. Oh, nice. It's probably all golf, huh? Mostly. Yeah. But I, I have been thinking about, I was like, dude, why am I spending even like an hour on this? I could be doing something else. I could be like listening to a book. Or you could go golfing, hit the range for that time. Yeah. Man, whenever I go into Instagram back hole, it still happens. Maybe once, once a week where, you know, I had that time limit set and it comes up and like, like, whoa, how did I just spend a half hour doing this? What did I learn? Nothing really. Yeah. Anyways, we talked a lot today about, mainly we focused a lot about routine and how you know we can get into a place where we're comfortable with what our routine is now. And then what happens when something really impacts our day-to-day? On one hand, it can be very exciting, but on the other hand, it can also be very scary, very uncomfortable. Maybe it's a way of just even framing routine. Maybe like framing is extremely important here. Yeah. It's like what you said, like, what are we doing this for? Looking at things from a different perspective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The main takeaway for me is that 
there are two types of routines. There's the maintenance and there's growth. In either place, you can't solely rely on external factors. We can help that make the push for us to get there. But it sounds to me like in order to have a routine or to set a routine, it's really all about taking action, taking the steps to do it and adjusting it as you go along. Yeah, I like that. All right, well, thanks everyone for listening. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you.